Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates, ready to go. Big Thursday edition, OutKick 360 here on the OutKick Network. And we're live from the 6th and Peabody Studios in downtown Nashville with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine, alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Later in today's show, we'll be joined by OutKick's Armando Salguero to talk all things NFL headlines. Trey Wallace covers the SEC for OutKick.com. He will join us in 20 minutes as we go through the top games across the Southeastern Conference. Big show planned, Tennessee Power Hour, and much more. Gentlemen, good afternoon. It is great to be with you guys here once again. We've got so much to get into. One of my favorite days when we go back-to-back SEC and NFL in consecutive hours with Trey Wallace and Armando Salguero. Uh, I got to see the latest James Bond movie last night. Life is good, boys. Life is good. Polly? I uh, am managing a dog, a puppy. The dog is managing himself. Uh, it's a little bit of a challenge. Last night I had a good system. I watched the soccer game. I managed the dogs outside. Everything is pretty good. So uh, I'm, I'm proud so far. But I'm probably jinxing myself. If you're watching on YouTube, on Twitter, we say hello to you there. If you're listening to Fox Sports Knoxville, Fox Sports Shoals, we uh, certainly thank you for being a part of the Outkick Network, and we were pleased to be joined and partner with Sports Radio 104.7 in the Upper Cumberland. Starting today, congratulations to Stonecom and everyone involved with the launch of Sports Radio 104.7. We are thrilled to be a part and along for the ride here on OutKick 360 every day, bringing you the best sports talk, uh, which you're getting each and every day there in Cookville and Crossville. Thrilled about that and thrilled about the, the live stream availability that we can now do online. We are big Larry Stone fans on this show. He does a great job with his entire Stonecom operation, and we are thrilled to be on in the upper Cumberland of Tennessee, Cookville, Crossville, Livingston, that whole area. Uh, it's great to add uh, affiliates to our network. We'll continue to do so. And Hutton, you mentioned it. The, the big news here is the fact that We've got live streaming at their website also, and you follow us on social media. We've posted OutKick360 on Twitter, at OutKick360. You can follow the live link there as well. For those asking about live streaming audio options, that's one of them. You're going to have more of them in the very near future, so we're pumped pumped to add another radio affiliate and pumped to be associated with our friend Larry Stone. Just click the Listen Live button, sportsradio1047.com. Paul, we've been waiting on this. Yeah. Uh, good way to listen. You can make a button for yourself on the phone there, there but uh, hopefully, uh, I don't know. Am I out of school to say what's what's coming? Oh, there? We'll, we'll have an app. We'll have a listen we'll live. Have app. App. Yeah, we'll, we'll get it going. We'll get it going. Uh, let's get the show going. Some headlines out there tonight. Thursday night football. The goat uh, on national TV. Tom Brady. Uh, a question I'm going to bring up with Armando later in the show, but I'll, I'll toss it around here. Do you think it, he's 44? We hear that every time he takes the field. 
Do you think a morning like today is a day when Tom Brady actually feels 44 on a short week, coming off an emotional drain 10 days ago in New England? They blow out Miami on Sunday, and now they're on the road, a short week on the road in Washington. Surely this is a morning where he wakes up and feels old. See, I... I tend to think of it a different way. I tend to think of it like he, he thinks, well, this is a team that we should handle. We go out and take care of our business. Yeah, I feel a little sluggish today, a little sore, but I get through this game, and I got a glorious 10 days, and I'm going to feel fantastic, rejuvenated. And I think a lot of guys think like that on Thursday night football. You know, you wake up today, and you've got a little bit of dread. But what gets you through the day is you say, if I do my work today, and we get the win today. And this is one of the first games I, I – there have been a handful, but primetime schedule's really been pretty fantastic. Um, I expect a blowout tonight. We handle our business tonight, and, boy, in 10 days we're going to be feeling fantastic. Also, we got three guys out tonight, some key guys. They're going to be back probably, and we're going to be in terrific shape. Yes. So if you could spin forward like that, just get yourself through today and tonight – I think that's probably the mindset he has, and that a lot of guys use. A chance to get to five and one for Tampa tonight. They then will return ten days from now. They will host Chicago before going on the road against New Orleans in the division. I'd like to know the answer to the question of whether or not he's human before answering your question on how he's feeling today. I mean, because if, if there's a chance of it, today's the day. Yeah. Probably. I mean, it, and he's got a thumb too. That, that he's not. You know, he's never going to be a hundred percent, but he's not at his top game because he's got an injury that made him a little bit dicey earlier this week. I mean, we won't know until there's the Tom Brady tell-all book that he writes, the autobiography after his career's over or the docu-series that's going to come out because he's not revealing any secrets. You know, if he, even if he did, didn't feel at his best on a short week, he would never announce it or say it until his career's over. Uh, but – I look forward to reading that autobiography one day, and then he tells us, oh, you know, here this season I was feeling old, or I was hurt in, in this moment, or I started to feel my age at this point. I don't think we're getting that info until his career is long over. Even that book, you know, the, the inner secrets of the TB12 method, uh, or for Manning, that the Al Jazeera report, uh, it's not going to be as... Uh, Thorough, maybe, <laughs> uh, you're saying, as, as we want it to be. You're saying it's going to be edited. I think the I'm Manning Al Jazeera report in it. was a little different than what I'm talking <clears throat> about with Brady's autobiography. Paul, no, but you know what I'm saying. What then, Paul is saying. I'm gonna, if we want to know everything and the whole key to, to playing oh, to, you. your, to your age and all of that, what Paul is we're saying not going to find it out. The author of the book will treat this like Schefter and send the copy of the book. Well, to no, he's saying autobiography. So uh, I'm saying in Brady's Manning's case, Manning <laughs> would certainly be writing it to a larger degree. Uh, Brady's ghostwriter, uh, you know, is not. They're not going certain places. I got you. We're never going to find out all of it. Schefter spoke multiple times on this. Hey, I'm, I'm spoke surprised. Spoke on the radio and then put together a statement. I have to say, if you're going to put out the statement, put out the statement. You've got what two hundred million. Twitter followers, I don't know what the number is, but a hell of a lot more than ESPN PR, which most people don't know exists and which is the only place it came out. So the only reason we know it came out is because Awful Announcing picks it up and because PFT picks it up. I'm not following uh, ESPN PR real closely. He was on my responding to, to all, all of the, the journalists and media members and, and, and public, for that matter, piling on uh, with the report 
uh, and the email that Schefter had sent Bruce Allen at the time. This was 2011 during the NFL lockout um, about, hey, proofread this entire story before it posts at 6 a.m. Thanks, Mr. Editor. I'm paraphrasing yeah. the exact quotes, but I thought it was a very reasonable statement said. that he issued. You know, in hindsight, it, it, I went too far with it. I, I, it, I wish I hadn't wish I hadn't done it. But to me, the story is that uh, within a few hours of that, one of the sports business uh, publications comes out with a story that, uh, you know, Caesar Sportsbook, and Clay has been saying this for years, um, they, they want to be in the business of these information gatherers because you would be more prone to bet at their site if you're going to their site for the news. to see yeah. the news. Yeah. And that Caesars is going to make a big play for Schefter, whose contract ends next summer. So it's no coincidence that that story comes out in sync with this. Maybe he's upset with ESPN and the way they made him handle it or not. I, I suspect not because he was already talking about it on the radio and ESPN wasn't forcing him to do that. Um, but it's no coincidence this comes out at the same time. I agree. Hey, I may be caught up in a bit of a kerfluffle here, but... Uh, in a matter of months, I'm going to be a hot damn commodity. And Caesars has more money coming in and is on a steeper incline than Disney. And that's hard. That's, that's, and that's crazy. hard to do. That's crazy. That one of. business that's doing better than Disney is sports betting, which is only in 11 uh, states right now and has a lot more to come. Maybe I'm being naive, Chad, but the fact that Schefter released the statement and went on multiple shows to discuss it, tells me that he's confident that there's no other emails out there like that. Yeah, I, I think so. And the right? people he might have had edit stories uh, for him aren't going to talk about it. I also don't if think... If you have multiple emails out there to Bruce Allen or anyone in the Washington organization, and you're saying, hey, this is, you know, I, I went too far, I apologize, you're, you're, you wouldn't do that with the threat that more emails would be leaked, would no, you? No, and I also don't think he wanted to, to apologize for anything or release a statement. I think Adam Schefter would have been fine doing his radio hits and talking about it when asked, but I get the sense with the leak of the story about him with Caesars on the same day that you brought up, Paul, I don't think he was happy at all with ESPN probably forcing him to release a statement. I don't think he has anything to be sorry about. The statement wasn't that personally. much more than what he was saying on the radio. No, it was No, it was but the fact the that he thing. didn't do it on his own account and ESPN PR did it, to me is a direct, ESPN <laughs> told me to do this, they, yeah, they drafted a statement based on what I've already said. I proofread it and said, whatever makes you feel better about yourself, go ahead. But the stories but that I'm are not written... Gonna, I'm not going to send this to my millions of followers that follow me for NFL news. Right, but the scope of where it's seen as PFT and awful announcing and all of these stories where it gets picked up, not, those Twitter accounts and the tentacles from that are where the volume, the amplitude for it comes from, not from ESPN PR. It is interesting how quickly... We have gone from discussing Gruden's resignation to Schefter, and we haven't even focused that much on the Washington football team, which the investigation surrounds. And they're stupidly and they're, covering their tracks and now. They're, they're not even in the middle of it. They're now showing off a shiny new object uh, that's coming up this weekend by announcing that they're going to retire Sean Taylor's jersey, number 21. And really they, stupid. They had pre-planned this, but they're announcing it now for obvious reasons. Well, that's BS, that they pre-planned it. I don't think they pre-planned it. They well, said this Ryan, has been in the works forever, well, Ryan but we're Clark, announcing it three days before. Ryan Clark of ESPN tweeted out the email that, that came to him on September 22nd inviting him to this. To this date? Uh, inviting him to the uniform retirement. On, but on this date or that it was coming? 
on September 22nd, he was invited to this game. That, that, that's really weird that you wouldn't tell the fan base to get ready for it. So they've mismanaged it on, on a, a bunch of levels. I, it's weird. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't get it. The presumption is, which the bell won't be unrung, that they pulled this out of a hat to quiet <laughs> things down about Bruce Allen, which is stupid because Bruce Allen hasn't worked for them for at least a year Since and a half. Since 2018. Yeah, more, longer than that. And like you said, they've been completely covered up in this whole thing, though it's an investigation of them that exposed all these things about Gruden. They could just sit back, let Gruden take the flack. Now, now Schefter's taking the flack. And they could sit back with their, you know, on their pillows with their feet up and be like, we're scot-free here. Well, they, Nothing's they going on. And that's it. The league has said they're not putting anything else out. Nobody even knows this. Guy. Most casual observers who are watching Good Morning America don't even know that we're connected to this. Think about the last two weeks for the Washington football team. The Urban Meyer story hits. Think about Urban Meyer and his relief right now with all these stories. That distracts from anything that could come down on your investigation or what would happen. John Gruden happens. Now Adam Schefter. It's one of the greatest games of NFL switcheroo we've ever seen. We are taking, they have taken everyone's eye and mind off of actual crimes that may have been committed by an owner and an organization and put them on bad words, insensitive words said by John Gruden and some stupid Mr. Editor comment <laughs> that Adam Schefter made in passing to Bruce Allen that no one believes with a brain that he actually thinks Bruce Allen is his editor, and it was a joke. The whole thing is a joke. And once again, it just proves the NFL is king, and they will do whatever the hell they want. Well, the fact whatever of the matter is, and they're telling us that. The fact of the matter is the book was closed on the Washington thing last year already. Coming up at uh, 3 o'clock Central, 4 in the East, one big thing on every NFL Week 6 game. That's uh, headed your way. Plus, we'll talk with Armando Salguero at 3.20, Tennessee Power Hour each day at 4 o'clock Central. When we come back every Thursday, Trey Wallace joins us from Outkick.com. Time to dive headfirst into the SEC weekend. That is all straight ahead on Outkick 360. We're excited to partner with Aurora Nutriscience, a trusted partner that keeps us at Outkick 360 mentally sharp and healthy. Aurora delivers supplements where you need them the most, your body. VitaLifeScience.com is the website. V-I-D-A-LifeScience.com is where you can see more information. Our Outkick 360 season ticket holders receive a 15% discount with the code OUTKICK360. Here's Aurora, unique cutting-edge nutritional and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes that ensure greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. It's actually going to stay in your body unlike a capsule or a pill. I use the vitamin C, the vitamin D3, glutathione. Simple single-use package you can grab and go in the mornings. Aurora supplements absorbed in the bloodstream through the GI tract, ensuring, again, not wasted like a capsule or pill. Visit VitaLifeScience.com, V-I-D-A, LifeScience.com for more info. 15% off with the code OUTKICK360, VitaLifeScience.com. In 25 minutes, we'll preview tonight's Thursday night football matchup. Bucks and Eagles in detail. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody here in downtown Nashville. Crew is all here, and that includes Trey Wallace of Outkick.com, SEC writer and columnist for the site. You can read all of his work. Just search out the name, Trey Wallace at Outkick.com. Follow him on Twitter 
at Trey Wallace underscore. Trey, hope you're doing well and Kiffin's return to Knoxville this weekend. Guys, how are y'all? Everything Great. is uh, going good here in Knoxville. Getting ready for Kiffin. What what is uh what's the feeling like? What's the buzz like in Knoxville? Sold out crowd. Checker Neeland is happening. Here's Tennessee winning two straight in an easy fashion over Missouri and South Carolina. Meanwhile, Ole Miss is back on track after last week's crazy finish against Arkansas and what we expect to be a very high-flying, high-scoring matchup on Saturday morning. Yeah, you know what? The atmosphere is, is more or less Tennessee fans ex- excited about what they've done over the last two weeks um, under Josh Heupel against Missouri and South Carolina. Both teams, you know, not having that good of a defense, but you you look at what they've done on the scoreboard, especially offensive output. I think that's what fans are excited about and also the opportunity uh, to beat the 13th ranked team in the country. Yes, Lane Kiffin adds a little spice to that, um, but but when you look at it all and how and especially the night game part of it too, like you're not playing at noon, you know you get a seven thirty kickoff, you're gonna check your needle and you're gonna do all these cool things about it. I, I think that adds to what they've been trying and working on over the past I don't know eight months when it comes to propping back up the football program when everybody kind of lost interest. And I and I'm not saying people have bought in yet. What I am saying right now is that. I think that people want to experience something like this and they want to see a big win. So we'll we'll see how it plays out Saturday night, but excitement level is through the roof. Trey Wallace with us. Trey, we know that both offenses, they run their offense very fast-paced. Uh, three plays per minute on average, right around there for Josh Heupel. We know Kiffin can move it fast too with Matt Corral. But I wonder, while everyone's expecting the over-under to be around 80 points combined in this game, who will... When everyone's expecting the zig, who will zag? And I don't know if Tennessee is capable of slowing down, but I'm reminded of that opening possession Kiffin had on the road at Bryant-Denny Stadium a couple of weeks ago. That was a long drive. It took a couple fourth down conversions and ultimately ended at the Bama five-yard line whenever they didn't convert. But I wonder if Kiffin comes out and tries to run clock. Am Am I crazy in thinking that? I mean, I don't think you're crazy, but I go back and look at the, the Ole Miss-Arkansas game last week where Arkansas rushed for over 340 yards against the Rebels and had over 690 yards of total offense against Ole Miss. I think, you know, Lane Kiffin, I don't know if he has it in him to slow down. You know, I know, I know they're going to test Tennessee in the run game, especially at the linebacker spot where Tennessee, as you guys heard, Juwan Mitchell's out for the year. So Tennessee's really rolling with just three linebackers, being Jeremy Banks, Solomon Page, and Aaron Beasley. Um, maybe they try to take advantage of them up the middle. You know, you did see them have uh, some progression against Arkansas, rushing the ball, uh, especially getting outside zone. So they could do that. But then I kind of look at the other flip side of this thing with Tennessee, and Tennessee's job is going to be establishing the running game early. Because if you can do that, you can hold on to possession a little bit longer, you know, give your defense a little bit more time. And I think Tennessee can have success against these Ole Miss defensive linemen and linebackers. The Ole Miss defense doesn't impress me. I, I, you know, I think they're better than South Carolina and I think they're better than Missouri. But it's not like they're going out here and they're playing a Georgia defense or playing an Alabama defense or whatnot. I think Tennessee has the opportunity to kind of set the tone like they've done in the past two weeks. I will be interested to to see if Lane Kiffin kind of switches things up 
on his end when it comes to how he kind of runs his offense. Trey, I think we have to take the words of, of college football players sometimes with a grain of salt because for the most part, when they're speaking publicly, they're sort of on the company line. You know, a lot of the same things we hear about Josh Heupel, we heard from players about Derek Dooley or Butch Jones or Jeremy Pruitt. But I'm way more interested in what players show me in terms of buy-in and energy and how they play. And maybe I'm crazy, but this does feel different with this team with Josh Heupel. I don't know how he's going to do in the future, but the job he's done rallying this group to where they look like a top 10 team in terms of excitement, not from a talent standpoint, but they go out there and play like they're a top five or top 10 team and everything's on the line, feels different. It feels a lot like that Jawan Jennings-led comeback in the back half of the 2019 season uh, where they got to, to seven and five late in the year. But that was a player-led, you know, senior-led thing. It, it feels different with this Tennessee team. Am I buying into it the wrong way or are you seeing some of the same things? No, I'm kind of seeing the same thing, Chad. And, and I'll be honest with you, I think it kind of started around when Hendon Hooker was the quarterback. And I'm not, that's not any slight to Joe Milton. Um, but, but talking with people around the program, they look at Hendon Hooker kind of as the grandpa on offense, the guy that they can go to um, when it comes to, to leadership, not only running the offense, but also being able to go to for guidance and whatnot. I think, you know, you, you saw a little bit this, of this switch up, and we talked about it on the show. Especially on offense, when the guy's flying around, looks like they're having a good time and whatnot. You saw that kind of change in that Missouri game. When Tennessee switched up their uh, their wide receiver rotation, they threw Velas Jones in the slot, and they put Tillman and Peyton out on the outside. And I think you started to get more camaraderie uh, with this offensive unit. You can tell that it paid off in that game. Um, and, and then, you know, when you flip it to the defensive side of the football – Guys, guys seem to be playing for each other. And, and these are players that, you know, Tyler Barron has talked about this. Byron Young has talked about this. Matthew Butler. There's a different mindset in the locker room this season compared to last year. Like, you know, when, when they were talking about the Pittsburgh game, they were Matthew Butler comes out and says, you know, we were pissed off that we lost that football game. Last year, it might have been a different thing where we just kind of move on. On, okay, whatever, we lost. There, there's a different feeling in the locker room in, in talking with folks around the program. They kind of feel that as well. It's like this team has kind of taken it upon themselves to get better every single day. And that's why I don't think it's like fluff from Josh Heupel when he says, look, we're having really good practices. Like Heupel, we've seen Heupel enough where he'd say, you know what, that that wasn't good out there today. Or, or there are things we need to work on more. But you keep seeing these compliments from the head coach, and I don't think they're smoke after talking with players and other people involved. These guys are just motivated right now. And when you get a group that's like that in the way that they're playing on offense and defense, by the way, um, I, I think it's setting up for something that could be very beneficial down the road this year. Trey, I know you wrote about Georgia, Kentucky. We'll be down there without kick the tailgate on, on Saturday in Athens. Is Georgia do an A&M type game that Alabama had last week, or is it simply not going to happen until an SEC championship game because of that completely dominant Georgia defense? And if they are do one of those games, does Kentucky have the horses to play with Georgia and make this thing interesting? Chad, it's interesting because I thought that game might have been last week against Auburn. You saw in the first half that Auburn Georgia game; it was pretty, it was pretty tight. Uh, but but Georgia, you know, 
made their moves when it comes to the second half. A, they they ran the play action a lot more with Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett was able to get outside the pocket, too, and get down the field. I thought Zamir White and Kendall Milton did a really good job running the football in the second half. Um, I, I, You know, there, there was a time in that Auburn-Georgia game I was like, okay, wait a minute. This one feels kind of close. It feels like that game that maybe Auburn sneaks one out, but then all of a sudden, bam, Georgia comes right back out and they're running the football. They're also hitting 60-yard bombs down the field, and they kind of open it up. I look at this Kentucky team, and I find myself wondering, where are you going to find offense against Georgia's defensive line? Because I, I understand what Kentucky was able to do against LSU last weekend, but that's LSU, and LSU is not playing good football right now. Georgia has one of the top defenses in the country, if not the top defense, especially when it comes to overall defense, third down conversions for the opposing teams. I, you know, if it comes down to Chris Rodriguez having to run the football or Cavassier Smoke having to run the football, that's where I think they're going to get a little bit of trouble. You know, I, I wrote about it earlier that, you know, if Georgia wants to avoid the upset, Chad, they've got to prevent Will Levis from getting outside the pocket and making plays down the field to Wandale Robinson or making plays, you know, on his feet for 15 to 20 yards. That's where it could get Georgia in a little bit of trouble if they get outside containment. But as we look at it right now, you know, even dating back to that Florida game, I, I don't see too terribly much from the offense of Kentucky that tells me they're going to be able to go into Athens and be able to score 24 points, which is probably what they're going to need to beat a team like Georgia. Among the articles you can read at outkick.com include ticket prices for SEC slate this weekend that might surprise you. Trey has that story and more. Trey Wallace with us from outkick.com. So how run determined do you think Kentucky is in this game? And you said uh, running against LSU, a completely different story. What would key Kentucky's ability to run to the necessary degree uh, against Georgia? Paul, I think this is the best offensive line that Georgia potentially is going to face this season. Uh, we'll see what Florida can, can put up in a couple of weeks, but at least up until this point. Kentucky is going to try to run you know, the outside zone. They're going to try to get Chris Rodriguez the ball maybe in the flat a little bit. Um, you look at the way Kentucky ran against LSU. Um, a lot of them were a lot of them were inside zones. A lot of them were trying to get it outside the tackle. Um, and, and if you can do that to Georgia, the the thing that Georgia does is they contain really well. And if you can get some progression when it comes to the rushing game, where you're sitting on third down and it's third and two, and you're not backed up to third and eight, okay, maybe you can have some success when it comes to potentially putting up yards against Georgia. But when you really look at it with Georgia's linebackers and the way that they play, it could cut, it could cut down what Rodriguez does up the middle. And if you look at his runs, if you go back and look at the Florida game, the LSU game, there weren't a lot of runs where he's popping it out to the outside. There were a lot of gap runs. And, and I think that's what Kentucky will try to do against Georgia to see if they have some success. If not, they're really going to have to rely on the play action. So, I look at it right now and I think, okay, the way Kentucky could potentially make this a fourth quarter game is you're just going to have to keep trying to run and run the football. And if that doesn't work, okay, then you roll with the play action and you try to get Wandale Robinson open on the outside. But, Paul, the problem is they're going to double-team Robinson and they're going to say, okay, you're going to have to beat us somewhere else in man-to-man coverage. So that's where this Georgia defense doesn't give up a lot. 
And I think that's why you see the line at 23 and a half points, according to FanDuel right now, is that they don't trust Kentucky's offense to do anything against Georgia's front seven. Trey, isn't the isn't the formula for this game much like what Texas A&M did to Bama, where you you get a turnover, you you convert on that, you have a special team score. Alabama came back in that game against A&M, and then A&M had an answer offensively with five minutes to go late in the fourth quarter. Kentucky would need to follow a similar rhythm and a style, wouldn't they, to to make this a true game? Yeah, it's all about attacking the quarterback too. It's all about making who. Whoever that's going to be, it doesn't feel like it's going to be JT Daniels if he's you know still having to uh, nurse those throws the way he is. Um, if it's Stetson Bennett, it's all about how you attack him. Can Josh Pascal get off the edge and get after him and make him uncomfortable? Uh, can they collapse that pocket and, and get Stetson Bennett into situations where he just got to get rid of it or he's going to have to run with his own feet and try to make plays down the field which I think Kentucky's defense is actually good enough to prevent. I don't know how good enough they are, you know, to stop Kendall Milton and Zamir White consecutively, but I do think they're good enough to prevent Stetson Bennett from beating them with his feet. And and, and the big thing too is Kentucky's going to know about this this play action that they're going to be running. So the biggest thing to me for Kentucky this weekend is you got to come out and you got to pop them in the mouth. You got to pop them in the mouth early and let them know that, hey, look, we're here to play. We know we're 23-and-a-half-point underdogs. That's fine, but we're not just going to come in here and roll over. And I don't think you're going to see a team, especially a Mark Stoops team, go into any atmosphere and just roll over. So I think Kentucky is going to fight, and this is going to be a game. I don't know if they can make it like A&M. You know, they would, like you just said, need a, a, a 95-yard touchdown return on a kickoff or something along those lines to get those extra points, Kentucky's going to have to find them. Maybe they do that on defense by putting a lot of pressure on Stetson Bennett. I'm very interested to see how they draw up their defensive game plan and that they can look back on you know the games that Georgia played against Auburn and try to figure out, okay, this is how we can put pressure on Bennett and not let him beat us deep or with his feet. Trey, really good matchup of four and two teams this weekend with Arkansas hosting Auburn. Arkansas, great start, great story first half of the season with Sam Pittman and what they've done. But this is life in the SEC West. They're four and two right now. They'll go to five wins at least. They could win tomorrow too. Next week against Arkansas Pine Bluff. Pine Bluff. Then they get Mississippi State at LSU, at Alabama, at home versus Missouri. There's still a scenario where Arkansas, because of their difficult schedule, even after this terrific start, could be battling to get to bowl eligibility of the last game of the season against Missouri. That shows the difficulty of that division, and a big part of that difficulty, games like this against Auburn. What do you make of this matchup between these two teams? Well, Chad, I found it interesting that, look, I know Ole Miss's offense is, is going to throw the ball a lot. Um, they're going to gain a lot of yards, but but I was very caught off guard by over you know 640 yards of total offense that Ole Miss had against a Barry Odom defense. That surprised me. Um, you you go back and you take a look at you know a week before where they get beat up by Georgia on the ground and they can't get anything going offensively. And this is the type of game where they go home to Fayetteville. Um, you 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 try to put it together against an Auburn team at you know at, at 12 o'clock. You know, 11 o'clock Central Time. Um, you got to get up for this type of game. This is kind of one of those turnaround games for Sam Pittman, like you kind of just mentioned. You beat Auburn. Okay, you're okay. You you settle things out. 
you go find some wins towards the end of the year, you get yourself at seven wins, potentially. You lose this game, now you're on a three-game losing streak, and you're heading into, you know, you'll get, you'll get a cream puff game next week, but then all of a sudden you're going to get back in the meat of the SEC West schedule, and there are potentially two or three losses on there. This is, this is very big for, for Sam Pittman to kind of right this ship. But it's also big, you know, in the case of, of Auburn because, you know, you're, you're coming off that bad loss to Georgia. I think Bo Nix is, you know, a better quarterback at times than what he showed against Georgia, but it's a defense. So him going on the road to Arkansas, and you look at the amount of success Matt Carell had last week against the Razorbacks, I would think Bo Nix could do something like that. I'm not saying he's the same type of quarterback or even has that better arm, but he does have the ability to get outside the pocket and scramble down the field and make plays with his feet. Um, so I, I look at this game as very pivotal for the Razorbacks and Sam Pittman because you don't – the biggest thing is you don't want to start the year by beating Texas and then Texas A&M, and then all of a sudden you finish the year with six wins because it's like, man, all that hype and early on just goes to waste. And and I can understand a loss to Georgia. I can understand a, 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 a loss to Ole Miss, which it came down to, to one play. Um, and, but – you lose to Auburn and you make that three straight, now you're you're setting yourself up for problems for the rest of the season. 11 a.m. kickoff between Florida on the road and Baton Rouge against LSU. Trey, hypothetically speaking, if the game goes Florida's way, similar to how it went with Tennessee, 38-14 final, the 11 a.m. kickoff on Saturday, is Ed Orgeron the head coach by 11 a.m. Sunday morning? You know, there's, an, there's, there's something interesting with this LSU schedule. Um... If Florida beats LSU the way Kentucky beat LSU, LSU actually has an open date a, a week later. So they'll, they'll play, I think, if I'm not mistaken, they'll play Ole Miss after Florida. Yep. Then they're going to have an open date. So if you lose to Florida bad at home, and attendance is going to be bad at that game, it's going to be hard to get up for an 11 o'clock kickoff. You know, Florida's going to be motivated. But is LSU motivated to play for their coach? I, I, I don't. I don't want to say, you know, that it's going to happen, but if there was a time where LSU was playing this bad and they had to get rid of a coach, it would come during that open week where, okay, we can name an interim, and then now we can also go ahead and start a national coaching search, which they're already doing behind the scenes. But they can do it publicly, and they can also do it with pretty much two weeks off before you're having to play another football game. Um, I, I think that's why this game against Florida is so key against, you know, with, with LSU and Florida this weekend is so key for Ed Orgeron because that they come out and they play the way they have played in the second half against Auburn and then also play the way that they played against Kentucky and Lexington. You're you're looking at a coach that, that won't be there after the season, and I think they'll find a way to, to get out or at least mitigate that buyout. Trey, final 60 seconds. Zach Calzada, already legendary status in College Station. But he now gets Missouri's defense. People think, oh, he's not going to be able to do it twice. But against Missouri's defense, maybe Jimbo Fisher finds a starting quarterback. I, I think he does. I, I think they're going to go up to Missouri, and I think they're going to win by 21 points or more. Uh, Missouri's defense is bad. Their defensive line's bad. Linebacking core is bad. 
They should have fired the defensive coordinator when they fired the defensive line coach. Um, I look at what Jimbo's done with Calzada. You guys got to witness it last week. I'm jealous of you guys getting to witness it. I think he's starting to turn the corner with him. Jimbo's always been kind of a, a quarterback guru. And who would have thought this, guys, that everything would have gone to, to craziness after Haynes King went down at Colorado. Now they find themselves a quarterback who's slung it against Alabama. Now you're going on the road to Missouri to get even more uh, confidence in, in what you're doing on offense. So it's a good thing for Texas A&M, and I like Calzada and the way he plays football. Trey Wallace, we love how you cover the SEC for, for OutKick, Trey. We appreciate you, man. At Trey Wallace underscore is where you can find him on Twitter. Enjoy the football weekend. We'll catch you up next week. Thank you, guys. Have a good time down in Athens. Appreciate it. Yep. We Thanks, preview Trey. the Thank SEC you. weekend every Thursday with Trey Wallace from OutKick.com. Thursday night football features the Bucks and Eagles. There is one key area. The Eagles must excel at tonight to pull the upset at home over Tampa Bay. That's straight ahead on OutKick 360. OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. We say hello to everyone in the upper Cumberland of Tennessee live with us this afternoon as we broadcast from 6th and Peabody with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer in downtown Nashville. We're going to preview the upcoming NFL slate in roughly 15 minutes. We start, though, tonight. Bucks and Eagles. Tampa has the opportunity to get to five wins after six weeks. They didn't have the weekend off, of course, with Thursday night before playing Chicago next week at home. Meanwhile, Philadelphia with an opportunity just to even things out. They're at two and three overall. Tampa Bay downed Miami last week, 45-17. Brady threw for more than 400 yards and five touchdowns in the same game for the first time in his 22-year career. I was shocked by that. That That's the first time he's gone for 405. He's done both, just not at the same game. 15 touchdown passes for Brady, but only one of the 15 has been away from Raymond James Stadium, which is also interesting tonight. The Bucks they have the league's best run defense and I think that is the key because Philly Runs has well. not well they do with Hurts yeah I mean their total yardage is is good effective but Miles Sanders is where they need a little boost because he was their leading rusher a year ago and he's failed to rush for more than 80 yards in a game and he has not found the end zone and it's not like they haven't been using him he has 64 touches already and that's where they need that grind style uh, they've done a really nice job, though, of implementing Devontae Smith. We, we have discussed a lot of Jamar Chase among the rookie wide receivers. Devontae Smith uh, from Bama, he led the team with seven receptions and 77 yards last week. He ranks second among all rookies, second to Jamar Chase. And we know the clip that Burrow and Chase are on. Hertz and Smith have nearly been right there nipping at the heels of, of those same type numbers. He has 314 receiving yards. And he's third in catches among all rookies. He has 25 receptions. So we get to see him on display tonight as well. It's a big game for Philly. Jalen Hurts has been fine. Uh, but again, it's it's Brady and the Bucks. Yeah, I don't think it's a good matchup at all for Philly. And uh, I mean, I know Philly's shown some flash. But Philly doesn't defend the pass well. And, You're right. Uh, and we know Brady, thumb or not, that you know threw it just fine last week. And he's got weapons. Um, even even with Gronkowski sidelined, and and so uh, and you know I haven't seen a lot of Philly this year, but I've seen a lot of Philly 
Twitter this year, which <laughs> are they ever happy? Though? No, they're never happy, but they complain <laughs> consistently about how far Philly off. Twitter sounds like a miserable place to be. <laughs> if we to spend think, any time at all, if, what a if we what think a sewer that, scenario. If we think that Titans defensive backs play off, it sounds like in Philadelphia they play fifteen yards off. <laughs> they just surrender <laughs> a first down on every snap in terms of where the defensive backs line up, and you know if they're lined up off against Tom, that he's just gonna take you know he's not going to be shy about taking what they give him it's always tough going into a game feeling like you got to play out of your mind to win but I'm looking at this and thinking Jalen Hurts has to be Lamar Jackson of Monday Night Football good if Philly's going to beat the Bucks. it's going to take that type of passing and running effort from Jalen Hurts if they're they stand a chance to beat Tampa Bay and if he's got to do that's that, not a good spot to be a mistake right a, a couple mistakes in the course of needing to be otherworldly. Though I'm looking forward to seeing him because I haven't seen him very much. Dallas is running away with the NFC East the same way that the Titans seem to be doing that in the AFC South. And I only bring that up, and we'll get to more of a Titans discussion of the division. Paul's got some thoughts on that coming up with Indy. But I bring this up because this is one of those crucial, that could be a crucial win for Philly in a tiebreaker scenario. Because Tampa beat Dallas in week one, and you're chasing Dallas now. If you can like to offset you, that. Yeah, yeah. If you can get one back on Dallas and start to catch up a bit, this is one of those double wins, for lack of a better way to explain it, where you get a team that they've already lost to, and you still get the chance to play them down the road. It'd be a if heck you, of if, a vibe, vibe turner, because too. Because Washington is not – they're not the same team. They aren't. The defense hasn't played up to the level that it played last year. Um, Ron Rivera is kind of bemoaning what's going on, and I don't. This off-field stuff, I don't think touches that team at all. It's just not. Yeah, I don't think as, so either. As good as uh, no, it's all about the Vegas. But, yeah, exactly. De- defensively, though, that's where they've had the real letdown because they're just a very average group so far. And that was the group that was really good a year ago that allowed them to stay in games. And with Taylor Heineke at quarterback, your defense has to pick up some slack. I think Rivera said something like winning that division. Uh, did they win it at 7-9 and nine last year? Yes. yes. Winning that division at 7-9 and nine last year was talking about how it was just bad for them because they think they're better than they are. Uh, I don't know how anyone with Taylor Heineke at quarterback can feel like they're better well, well it's very they spotty. The season. Yeah, but you're right. You're right about that. Well, I mean, yeah. they, and we love Taylor Heineke because of his attitude. You know, after the, the the first game that he started and won, but that love has gone away quickly. Just not that good. They're just not that good. And there are a couple divisions that are real top heavy. Like you said, I'm going to talk about what the AFC South could look like in a month as compared to what it looks like right now, later. But these other divisions, I think, you know. You want to crown them? Like Denny Green said, you might. You present be able. the trophy in week six. There is a divisional imbalance because there are a couple of divisions that are, are loaded. Slug fest. And, right and then today. there's a, there's a bunch of other ones that you're looking at, and it's, oh, well, this team should absolutely win it, and then everyone else is not very good. There's too much of that going on. And I put the, the NFC East we're discussing right now in that category. It's Dallas, and it's a huge drop off, and it's maybe the Eagles. Whoever you want to put in that spot, and it's everybody else in that division. And we, we always like to add this in. Of course, injuries play a massive factor. Right. Something the terrible war, happens to Dallas. It's right. back to what it was last year. The war of attrition always tends to work itself out uh, and, and play a factor in November and December. 
But as far as the makeup of this division right now for Philly, tonight's big because you, again, you get a team that already knocked off the team that you're chasing early on in the season, and you get Dallas down the road. And Tampa's got the potential to do some running away. Uh, they, they could, yeah. They absolutely could. Uh, coming up, one big thing on every NFL Week 6 game. We have that for you. Later in today's show, Armando Salguero is going to join us in hour number two. We'll preview the nuts and bolts and the, the true info out there with OutKick's NFL columnist and writer. That will be around 3.20 this afternoon, 3.20 Central. Uh, and then the Tennessee Power Hour is jam-packed. Three things on how the Vols can go about beating Ole Miss on Saturday. We'll also tell you three keys for the Titans as they begin preparations in real fashion today, uh, taking on the Buffalo Bills on Monday Night Football. That and, and even a movie review. We haven't had that in a while. Yep. Chad went to the theater last night. Theater. The theater. It's all happening. Everything. 007 is back. I can't wait to go check this out. You're going you're gonna to hear about it a little bit later. We have that plus uh, NFL preview NCAA preview and more. Stick with us. Outkick 360 just getting started across the Outkick Network.